for tuning in to the New Vision Podcast. Our prayer is that this talk builds your faith, brings clarity, and gives you hope. Enjoy the message. I was thinking back as we started, as we begin to roll into this year, I began to think about like first things. And you think about your first car that you ever bought, get it in your mind. Like what did that car look like? What did it have? Um, I'll, I'll tell you about mine. It was an awesome beater. It was not a good car at all. It was a 1983 Buick Regal. The back windows didn't roll down. I don't know. Those of you who are old enough to remember some of the cars in the 80s, it had the wings in the back that popped out. That was it. So if you were in the back and you were hot, that was the only source of fresh air that you got because, you know, the air condition didn't work in that car. It had an exhaust leak that I didn't know of when I bought it. Um, It was scraped up all down the right-hand side. The alternator was bad. It broke down on me many times before I figured out that the alternator was bad. This car was horrible, but I mean, I I was out on my own and I needed a car. So I went by myself and I bought my very first car. It was very different from the second car that I purchased. That car was a 1997 two-door Ford Thunderbird. I was pumped to get this car because in comparison to what I had before, like this was the lap of luxury. And when I went this time, it was already predetermined that I was going to get a better car. It was going to be more reliable. I could depend on it way more. And I was even going to get a good deal because I wasn't going to go by myself. I brought someone with me this time. And the person that I brought with me was going to make sure that I didn't get taken advantage of, that I didn't sign up for some kind of weird insurance that was just going to cost me money but not give me any benefit. They weren't going to allow me to get taken advantage of. They were in it to get the best deal that they could for me, because I took my dad with me. And because he was there, I know that I got the very best deal possible. Because my dad had this ability that not many, well, not many that I've seen. Like when you sit down to buy a car and you fall in love with the car and then they change something, my dad had no problem getting up and leaving at every point. You, you did what? No, no, we're just going to go. Come on, get up and go. Mom, I remember when we were going to buy that Ford Topaz or that Mercury Topaz. Dad was like, let's go. And my mom was brokenhearted. She wanted this car. We ended up with the Mercury Topaz that day. But my dad being with me meant something that day. His presence changed the outcome of that situation. And as I got older, and now looking back, I realized that the more he was around, the more it changed who I was. Because I felt like if dad was close by, if he was within a phone call or if he was there with me, that there wasn't a problem that popped up that couldn't be handled. He could fix just about anything. We could come up with a solution. My dad was just that kind of guy. And as as the situations like that seemed to be no problem, I began to realize that he was the one encouraging me to step out and do things that I was afraid to do to change careers, to step into ministry, to get married, to buy my first house. My dad was was one of the voices that I could hear giving me courage and confidence to do things that I was really unsure about. And I knew that no matter what happened, that there was going to be one person that was always in my corner and always with me. And I wonder if we sat back and, and began to think about the people in our lives that some of us probably have people like that for us. That when you're with them, you know that there's a a peace that you get, a comfort that you get. They did for you what my dad did for me. 
and how great that feeling is, I, I want you to begin to try and do your best to multiply that into what it's like. What would it really be like for me to fully embrace the truth that God is with us? You see, because sometimes we're like, yeah, God is with us. But no, no, no. I'm talking about the, the time that that truth becomes alive inside of you. That when you begin to take a step, you begin to think, okay, I know I'm not going to fail because God is with me. There are moments. What have you passed up because this truth hasn't been fully alive? And what could happen if you begin to embrace this and not just think it, not just say it, but begin to live like this is a reality that God is with you. And as we start this new year in this new series, I want you to know, not just have something in your brain, but something that God spurs inside of you or sparks inside of you. I want this truth to be in you so that it can work through you. And it's simply this, our new series to begin this year is called With You. God is with you. See, this isn't just a Christmas thing. This isn't just something that we celebrate because Emmanuel is God with us. It's not just that from the beginning, this was God's plan. If you go back to the garden, he creates Adam and Eve. And instead of creating them and stepping back, he steps into the garden. And he walks with them and he talks with them. He spends time with them. Why? Because the whole point of creation was God wanted to be with us. And as we look forward in the very beginning in Genesis, when he decides to make a people out of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, he promises them not only to give them a family and a multitude of descendants, but a place to live. And not just that, he promises to be with them. And when he gives them the promises and says, I will be with you, the next words right behind that says, so don't be afraid. His presence changed something. It wasn't just a promise that they were going to have something. There was a promise that they would have someone with them as well. I mean, and, and carry it forward into the New Testament when Jesus shows up, when he picks his followers. He doesn't just pick people to preach to. He doesn't just pick people to train and talk at. He picks people, read your Bible, to be with them, to live life with them, to show them, to walk out their lives together with them. And this was such an important part of who he is and, and what God is about, that when Jesus had resurrected from the dead, when he was getting ready to leave, this is so important that he makes a promise to the disciples that is carried forward to you and I. And as he's getting ready to leave, he says, hey, I will be with you always, even until the ends of the earth. And so today, I want to remind you that God is with you. He's with you. Say that. Say that God is with me. All right. See, this is where it needs to change from just something that you say in church to something that's deep down. And you got to say this with a little bit of attitude, with a little bit of something, because if God is with you, that means something. So say it like you mean it, like you got a little bit of attitude, because God is with Say, God is with me. All right, now figure out a different point of emphasis and say it again. Say, God is with me. See, it's not just about someone else. It's about us, too. I want you to not just believe it for someone else, but believe it 
for you. Because this truth does not change. This truth that God is with us does not ever change. His promise means that he will not leave us. You may feel like you're walking alone every now and then. Your circumstances may try to point you in a direction that make you think that you may be alone. People may be telling you that God has left you, that there's no point in praying, that look at all this following Jesus stuff has got you. You're by yourself. You have no one around you. They may try to get you to believe that, but God has not left you. And he has no plan on ever leaving you. He plans to take every step with you. And as we begin this new series, one of the greatest stories that I find in scripture is that of Joseph. And we're going to walk through his story so that we can look at and be reminded that it wasn't just in the palace that God was with him, but it was in the prison and it was in the pit and it was in the fields and it was before the dreams even happened that God is wanting to be with you each and every step. He will not leave you through every high, every low, every valley, every mountain, every test, every trial, every temptation, every twist that happens on your journey, God is planning on being right there with you. And because he is with us, it should change our confidence. It should change our courage. It should change the amount of wisdom that we have, the amount of hope that we walk around carrying, because we will know that God wants us to get to where he wants to take us, not just to say go, by yourself, but he wants us to get there and he's willing to walk with us each step on the way there. Today, to kick off this series, this year, my message is titled, It's Okay to Dream. It's okay to dream. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. And Lord, this morning, we need you to breathe life into us. So as we look in your word, as we are in your presence, we pray that it does something inside of us, that it changes us. Your word changes who we are. Your promises change who we are, how we attack our daily lives. God, we need you to do something in us and through us. And Lord, we don't want to be the same when this message is done. We want it to make a difference in our heart and our life because it was about you. And so, God, I pray that you would anoint this time together. You would help me to communicate your word to your people. Let me do it confidently and clearly in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Genesis chapter 37. Genesis is the very first book in the Bible or it's at the top of your screen if you have the Bible app on your phone. Genesis chapter 37. And we are going to be taking a look at Joseph. And as you get to 37, I just want to share with you some interesting things. As we look at who Joseph is, we realize that his family might have been the original dysfunctional family that we can all point back and look at. Maybe we could probably not actually, you got Cain and Abel, so we were probably right there. But maybe, maybe this family put the fun in dysfunction. I don't know, because you look at each stage of, of their family. You look at uh, the father Abraham and all the struggles that he had and the dysfunction in his family that trickled down into Isaac, that trickles down into Jacob. And now we see Joseph and his 11 brothers that are living out some of this dysfunction. But the other things that they are also living out is they are living out the experiences of God. God being with them. Through the ups and the downs, I would imagine that Joseph has heard stories, stories about Abraham, stories about Isaac. I would imagine that Jacob has spent some time talking about the things that God did, about when he showed up to him in Bethel and gave him the same promise that he gave his grandfather 
and his great-grandfather, I would imagine that he shared with them about the new life that God gave him along with a new name and a new limp to his walk. I would imagine that Joseph heard these things. And so as we get into his story today, I want to give you just four things that when God is with us, we need to be ready for. Let's start at verse 1 of chapter 37. So Jacob settled again in the land of Canaan where his father had lived as a foreigner. And this is the account of Jacob and his family. When Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flocks. He worked for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives, Bilhah and Zilpah. Hey, that kind of rhymes. And Joseph reported, sorry, I have moments like that. Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day Joseph had a special gift, or Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them, and they couldn't say a kind word to him. When God is with you, a lot of times before a dream comes, before a direction comes, there's an inspection. So get ready for a heart check. Did you notice how this chapter started off? It starts off with the word so. And that makes me think like we were kind of in the middle of a story. What was happening right before then? So this is the accounts of Jacob and his family. Well, what happened right before then? So I scrolled back. On my phone, I flipped the page backwards in my Bible as I was prepping it. And as you read the very end of chapter 36, you hear the story of Esau, Jacob's brother, and how he had not just sons, but he had people. He had tribes. They had a place. There were almost small kingdoms being set up. And the reason I use that term is because it says that Esau's family didn't just have sons. They had chiefs. There were people and leaders. They were being established. And then we get into chapter 37 and we see Jacob is living in a land like a foreigner, just like his father did before him. Oh, and just how great he is. He's got 12 sons right now. No chiefs. No big leaders. He's got tattletales. He's got people that aren't respecting their father. He's got all kinds of different things happening. And, and that's why I feel like, man, the heart check starts right from the very beginning. Because if we're like, if Jacob's like us, if he's like me, I'm going to every now and then look at my siblings and see what's going on in their life and compare. You may not do that. You may not look ever, ever, ever in your life around other people and see the progress that they're making. You may not look at them and think, man... I thought God was going to do that for me, but he's doing that for them. See, the problem with this and, and why we get this heart check first is because comparison will diminish the dream before it's ever given. If I begin my life looking at Cam's life and looking at my father-in-law's life and comparing what's going on, that the progress that's being made has somehow messed up my life, what I have to realize is something that hopefully Jacob realized, that Esau's progress didn't change God's promise. Jacob. And we have to take that in to our own hearts and our own lives because there will be moments that we are tempted to compare, but someone else's progress doesn't change God's promise for you either. 
And while we're waiting for our promise, while we're waiting for our dream, while we're waiting for our direction and we're working and we're figuring out how to get by, waiting and working while other people prosper is a test of our perseverance, is a test of our patience, and is testing our faith in our God. Jealousy and, and rooting against people that have more than you, Jealousy and rooting against people that have more than you stems from this thought that there's only so much favor and blessing to go around. What do you believe about God? Do you believe that every now and then he's going to run out of favor? That he's going to run out of anointing? That he's going to run out of promises to give? That's not how God works. He doesn't run out of anything ever in life. He's got enough for you and for you and for you. And the promise that he's given for you and the things that he does in your life doesn't take away from what he's doing in my life. In fact, it should encourage me that if he's doing it for you and he's faithful to you, that he can be faithful to me because he doesn't run out. His mercy never runs out. His grace never runs out. His love doesn't run out. His favor doesn't run out. None of it. He has more than enough. And at the very beginning of this story, heart and character issues are brought to the forefront. Watch this. Did you remember those first few verses? What did we see in there? Brothers who weren't honoring their father and how they were taking care of the flocks. Those were their dad's flocks. And then we see the, the heart conflict that, that even Joseph has. Because most of us would assume that he's just a tattletale, Right? And maybe he was. Maybe he was just telling on them so that the father would look at him and say, you know what, that's why you're my favorite right there, because you take care of me. Or maybe he did have an internal struggle of, I do love my dad, and I want to honor my dad. Maybe, maybe Joseph is showing us from a young age that he wanted to be faithful with little so that he could be trusted with more. I don't know. We're not told the, the motivation behind it, but we see the heart and character issues being brought to the surface at the very beginning. And then we see Jacob, who hasn't learned from the dysfunction in his own family, who forgot what it was like maybe growing up in a house where dad loved Esau, mom loved me. Maybe he forgot that because of that, he stole his brother's blessing. He stole his birthright. There were things that he did that he wasn't proud of that God had to break and change in him. And instead of allowing him to love his kids equally, Jacob continued to show favoritism. And it broke his family. There were struggles that they experienced only because the heart moments and the character issues that Jacob had were still showing up and God had to address those. And then let's look at like the brothers, not just with the dad, but now with how they treat Joseph. It says that all of these things worked into this funnel that they hated their brother. They didn't just not like him. They hated him. And the problem is when we begin to hate our brothers, when we begin to hate our sisters in the Lord, we can't expect God to bless our hatred for other people. I mean, when we look through scriptures and we find out what Jesus begins to talk about, what hatred looks like, she said it's a heart issue. We begin to say, I hate someone, that's like committing murder. And there's something that covers over a multitude of sins, and it's not hatred, it's love. And First John tells us that if I say that I am in the light and I hate my brother, that the truth is not in me. Man, hatred and, and envy is the poison that we talked about of offense. It grows and it festers and it will produce pain when other people succeed 
and satisfaction when they fail if we allow it to. That's what it will do in my own heart. Don't drink the poison. And if you're struggling with how you feel about other people, if jealousy and envy is something that that comes over you when good things happen to other people, I would just encourage you to be honest about that. Drag it into the light. Let God deal with it. That's the only way that healing happens, that forgiveness happens. First John also tells us that if we confess our sins, that God is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But I have to be honest in order to do that. So before you take a footstep, be ready for a heart check. Before the dream is given, know that there will be something that checks your heart. And this isn't so that God can disqualify you. This actually is a measure of his grace. This is actually about your growth. He's going to take all your deficiencies, all your brokenness, all of your insecurities, all of those things, and actually use them to qualify you because he will do something with them. There is no limit to what he can redeem. There's no limit to what he can't take of our brokenness and make it beauty once again. If we let him, let's keep reading. One night, Joseph had a dream. Here we go. And when his brothers, when he told his brothers about it, they, they hated him even more than ever. Listen to this dream. He said, we were out in the field tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly my bundle stood up. Your bundles, they all gathered around and they bowed low before mine. His brothers responded, so you think you'll be our king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams. And the way he talked about them. Soon Joseph had another dream. And again he told his brothers about it. Listen, I've had another dream, he said. The sun, the moon, the 11 stars bowed low before me. This time he told the dream to his father as well as his brothers. And his father scolded him. What kind of dream is that? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually bow to the ground before you? But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dreams meant. So we've got to get ready for the heart check. And now, get ready to have a dream. Get ready to have a dream. It's okay to dream. It's okay for you to dream. In fact, God wants to give you a dream. And not just any dream. He wants to give you a God-sized dream. He wants to give you a word from him. He wants to give you direction. He wants to speak destiny to you. He doesn't want to hide it from you. He wants to give you a dream and then actually walk with you as it comes true. So do this with me. Take a deep breath. Man, it's okay to dream. Some of you have conditioned yourself because of disappointments and failures that it's not okay to dream. Because if I don't dream, then I'll never be let down. I'll never be crushed. I'll never think that I can be important or I can matter or my life can make a difference and then have that pulled right out from underneath me. You have stopped yourself from the ability to dream big. Here's the thing. Here's what we have to realize, that as God is giving us dreams, as those dreams are big, the dream that God gives you is always tied to his dream and his plan. It's always a part of the bigger thing, that your story, your dream that he's giving you will help further the kingdom. It will help expand the kingdom because people's lives will change as your dream is fulfilled. As your dream is fulfilled, other people will see that and their lives will be touched by what God is doing in you. And maybe that will spark a God dream in them. And all of that is tied to the 
the overarching dream of God that started before time and will continue to go on. And that dream, that dream will always happen. God wants you to be a part of this big dream. And so he is invested in your success because your dream is a part of his dream. So don't let your past rob you of what God wants to do in your now, of what he wants to speak to you now. Don't let 2020 rob you of all that God would hope to do in you and through you in 2021. Don't let logic be your guide when it comes to the dream that God has given you. Don't tell yourself if it doesn't make sense, it can't be God. Don't allow your mind to limit what God can do. Allow yourself to dream again, to believe once again that your family that seems so far from God, believe once again that God God can do something incredible to redeem them, to get the gospel to them, that your family can be different, that God can take your career, your job right now and turn it into a calling, that what you feel like doesn't mean anything right now, that God can take it and make it meaningful because it's the dream that he's given. It's okay to dream. God wants you to hope again. He wants you to believe in bigger things because it doesn't rely on you, it relies on him. Your job is obedience. His job is to make it to where you get to where you're supposed to be. The heavy lifting is always his. We feel like it's on us, but it's always on him. We feel like obedience is the heavy part, but that's a heart issue and a character issue. Let God speak to you. Allow him, allow him once again to give you those ideas, those ideas that kept you up at night, those ideas that filled the pages of your journal, those words that repeated over and over. Allow yourself to let God speak to you once again to give you something from him, that feeling that you've been missing Let him put a dream inside you again. Be ready to dream again. Next is this. Be ready to hold on tight. Hold on tight. When Joseph shared his dreams, no one was high-fiving him. I mean, they might have wanted to high-five him, but he was only going to get four of them. They may have wanted to to hurt him because of his dreams. So I'm going to encourage you to hold on tight to what God has said to you. Other people may feel that your dream is their nightmare. That if God does what you say, somehow that means the end of their life. Somehow it means the end of their dream. Somehow it doesn't work out for their benefit. If God does that in you, I don't want that. Your dreams might need to just be yours. You may see your excitement and your passion for your dream be less and less as people start taking apart the dream that you're sharing with them. As they tell you the practical reasons why this doesn't work, as they begin to sow seeds of doubt into what God has given you, so be careful who you share them with. You may need to protect it for a little while. The dream is is going to need to come out into the open, but maybe not right in the beginning. Maybe there's a way that you can share it that's not abrasive to everyone. Joseph failed in that area. Maybe you can give it some time before you share it. Joseph failed in that area. We can learn from him. We can learn to hold tight to the words that God has spoken to us. They don't have to make sense. None of those dreams. Listen to their responses. 
uh, you're going to be over us. He was the second youngest kid in the family. That's not how that worked. They were offended. It doesn't make sense. Just keep trusting who gave you the dream. Because when God is with you, at just the right time, the dream that he has for you can become reality. That the, and, and so in that, you have to begin to remember that you can dream long term. Joseph's dream wasn't instantaneous. David was anointed king and then went back to being a shepherd. Moses thought that he was going to be the redeemer for Israel and had to wait another 40 years before God used him. God didn't send Jesus right after the fall of mankind. He waited hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years because at just the right time, at just the right moment, he knew the right time at the right place with the right people that he could send his son, that the dream that he had all along and our forgiveness and the grace that we would need to have a relationship with him, he would send it just the right time. And if he will do that for our salvation, he will do that because your dream is a part of his dream. So be willing to dream long term. Hold tight to what he has said. Trust that the timing of the dream is also a part of the plan that God has. Here's what happens next. Soon after this, I'm wrapping up. Soon after this, Joseph's brothers went to pasture their father's flock at Shechem. And when they had been gone for some time, David or Jacob said to Joseph, your brothers are pasturing the sheep at Shechem. Get ready and I will send you to them. I'm ready to go, Joseph replied. Go and see how your brothers and the flocks are getting along. Jacob said, then come back and bring me a report. So Jacob sent him on his way and Joseph traveled to Shechem from their home in the valley of Hebron. So what do you do after you've been given this dream before it becomes reality? You do the same thing that Joseph did. You listen for the voice of the Father and you obey what he's asking you to do. What's it say? Jacob wanted to check on the sons, the same sons who hated the other son. He didn't give reasons as to why he should be uh, here and someone else go. What did he say? Here, here I am. I'm ready to go. I, I, I can go for you. Dad, you need someone to go with you? I'll go. And so the last thing that, that we need, we need to be ready to respond and then head out. We need to hear the voice of God, determine that we're going to obey what he said, and then head out. Take some steps. Joseph didn't say, I'm good, and then stay where he was. He took days journey to get to where the brothers were. He walked. He took steps. Don't just say you're ready. Take a step and head out. See, because this act of obedience began the process from Joseph's dream to becoming Joseph's destiny. Joseph had no idea that what was in store for him next. He was just being obedient to what his dad asked him to do. And that simple act of obedience started the journey to the palace, started the journey for salvation, started the journey to what God wanted to accomplish all along. See, we may not be able to see our dreams as a reality. And sometimes what keeps us from, from getting closer to seeing them turn into a reality is we're waiting on God to magically and spiritually do something, boom, right in front of me. But God is waiting for us to be obedient and head out. He's waiting for us to take a step in the direction that he's asked you to move. It may not look like the dream, but God, you told me. I, can you imagine 
Joseph just had a dream that he was going to be the man, and then he just returned to being a son. David has a dream that he's going to be, to be a king, and it wasn't something that he visualized. It was something that happens. He was anointed and prayed for and told, this is what's going to happen, and he walked right back into the field. Sometimes we don't get to the end because we never begin. We tell God we're ready, but because what he's asking us to do doesn't fit in our mind to getting us to the dream, we figure, well, we'll just wait for the next opportunity. I'll wait for something better to happen. Maybe all he wants you to do is step out of your home and do what he asks you to do. Sometimes we won't see our dreams realize because we don't wanna take steps. We don't want the process. We want the success. We want the notoriety. We want the status of the dream, but we don't want the steps it takes to get there. Because once we take a step on that journey, even though we hope that it's a short journey and a smooth journey, it probably will have moments that we feel like we're in a pit, moments where people take advantage of us and lie about us, moments that we feel shackled like we're in prison, there will be disruptions along the way, but those could just be opportunities for God to shape you along the way to where he wants you to go. None of that stopped what God wanted to do in Joseph's life. In fact, those things put him in the right position at the right time to be exactly where God needed him to be. And so maybe your hesitancy to head out, to start doing whatever it is that God has asked you to do, Maybe you need to begin to rethink that maybe that one step is what God will use to reach your family. That maybe that step will get you to the calling. It will transform your mundane into meaningful. Maybe it will do what you've been praying for God to do. And maybe it's not an instantaneous, momentary feeling that it's something that God wants to do in you. He wants to transform you on the inside to the out. So what is it that he's asked you to do? Has he asked you to put in an actual 40 hours that you're getting paid for? Is he asking you to be more faithful than the people next to you at your job? Well, they, they cut corners here. They, they do this. And it would be weird if I didn't do what they did. Is that what God asked you to do? Maybe he just asked you to be faithful there. Maybe he's asked you to not quit your job but just stay right where you are. Maybe he's asking you to give more grace to people around you, to be more patient with your kids, to be more patient with your family members. Maybe he's asked you to wake up early and spend some extra time with him. And all of those steps don't seem like it's getting you to a dream, but what if that's the first step in your journey? What if God is just waiting for you to head out? What if he's waiting for you to be obedient? He's got all of these things in store. This year, we can hope again. We can believe again. Not because it's a thing to say at the beginning of the year, but because God is with us. Because his presence changes everything. Because there are plans and there are things that he has destined for each and every one of us to do things that he put inside you long ago, things that he's spoken to you or things that he's yet to reveal to you.
but there are things. He is with you. God wants to give you a dream and he wants to walk with you through every step to see it become reality. I wanna pray with you this morning. I'm gonna give you some time to kind of reflect on your own, but I believe that there are some of us in this room that we forgot how to dream. We forgot how to open our hearts to God, how to allow him to speak into us because we've been let down, because we, we've been disappointed. Things haven't added up the way that we would have liked them to be. Our own failures, our own mistakes make us feel like we can't. But this morning, I'm here to tell you it's okay to dream. That God still wants to use you. He still has something for you. And it still plays a part in his plan. It's still a part of what he wants to do. He still wants to use you so that other people will come to know him. So close your eyes for a moment. And during this song, maybe you need to say out loud to God that you'll dream again, that you'll open your heart to whatever it is that he would lay in front of you that you want him to check your heart. You, you want to resolve the, the character issues that maybe have been keeping you from heading out. Maybe have been keeping you from having that dream for God speaking direction to you that you're, you're in it. That you can do that. Maybe you've just given up on the dream that God has given you. It's been too long, but this morning you're reminded that maybe that dream is a long-term dream. And that every step between the moment you were given and the moment it becomes reality is needed for you to not just get a glimpse of where God wants to take you, but for you to actually live there and stay there and do what he's asked you to do. So during this song, just want you to allow yourself to speak to God, allow him to speak to you because it's okay to dream. that this message impacted you. Please share your story and partner with us financially at newvisiongrandview.com.